Okay, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might, may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Robert. Well, seeing we haven't been here for about a thousand years, it's good to be back. Good to see you all and thank you for the privilege of being with you this morning. Um, baby boomers, baby boomers, then Gen X, then Gen Y, then Gen Z. Where do we go from there? I'm not quite sure. The Gen Zers are sort of now high school and university. And, um, and we're told that they spend about six hours on the phone. And if you go into their rooms, they've got their PlayStation, their computer, and so on and so on. And they can chat to their friends there. We're told that the mantra of the Gen Xs, Gen Zs, are you be you, follow your heart. We're told that they're occupying worlds we don't have access to and can't keep up with. Uh, we're told that it's individualism come of age, and we're told that they're the most anxious of the generations. I don't believe it. Do you? Somebody said we're hardwired, hardwired for anxiety, worry. Hmm? That's why Jesus talked about it. That's why Peter talked about it. That's why Paul talked about it. Did Peter know about anxiety? You, you, you just think about Peter for a moment. Um, <laughs> Jesus, reality is this. These fellows over here, they're very likely to leave you. Probably will. But not me. Not me. You know, the bantam rooster thing. And then a little girl said to him, hey, you're one of them, aren't you? Your accent. Don't be ridiculous. Do you think Peter had a good night that night? No anxiety, no fear, no worry. No wonder he talks to us about it. You know, when Peter ripped up his personal journal and said, I'm going fishing, it's all there, isn't it? Oh, yes. When Peter says, humble yourselves, casting your anxieties on him, a couple of things. Humility, casting, he cares. That's the subject today. Incidentally, that casting, that casting is not sort of moving the bone china because mum and the toddler are turning up tomorrow. 
It's rather like the high school boy who comes home on the Friday before the holidays and takes his bag and just goes, that's it for a fortnight. It's that kind of thing. It is a proactive calculation of mind and will to be humble and trust. Let's pray. Gracious God, we open your word now and we pray that you will use your word like that double-edged sword that gets right into us and it shows us what our mind and attitude is like. Grant us that grace, we pray, that we might love the Lord Jesus more and more. Now, you've had read to you this morning Psalm 61. You probably had your Bible open. It would be good if you opened it again because I'm going to point you to the voices of, verses of this psalm and the voices of the psalm as we look at it together. Uh, if you have a look from about Psalm sort of 55 through to about 63, you'll find that there is a cluster of psalms there where everything seems to be going wrong. Uh, betrayal, flight from danger, loneliness, heartache, desert experience. And you say to yourself, did, did David, did King David know about anxiety? Well, his question would be, where else can I hide? Who can I trust? Will I see another day? What was that anointing of, of Samuel so many years ago? What's that all about? So it's no surprise when you look at your verse 1, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. You see, he's worried sick. And then verse 2, from the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Colloquially, we would say he's at the end of his tether. And we know what that means because we've got a dog. He's had it. He can go no further. I think verse 6 suggests that he thinks he's going to die. And I'll tell you something. Don't worry, be, don't worry, be happy. Simply isn't going to cut it, is it? Okay, let's dig into his heart. Let's dig into his heart. Firstly, there's a great sense of loss. So you read in verse 3, you have been my refuge. I can ask anybody in the church if that's past, present or future. We'll all agree it's past, isn't it? You have been. Well, yeah, we know our grammar. So when he looks back, home was secure with mum and dad, lovely home. Out there with the sheep, composing the Lord to my shepherd, I'll not want. And then his brothers are out there where Goliath is, and Dad says, do you mind taking them some bread and other stuff? So out he goes. It's about from here to Springwood. And there's Goliath. People are scared stiff. Nobody wants to take him on. <laughs> he goes out with his stones and his sling, and Goliath just mocks him. 
And he says, I come in the name of the Lord. Now he's the hero. He's 10 feet tall. But that was the past. That's all gone. He's a fugitive. He's powerless. He's alone. A deep, deep sense of loss. A long time ago, I was in Jakarta. Our first daughter, Kathy, was six years of age. Uh, Laurel was back east in Indonesia, about 1,400 kilometres by plane and about 10 hours by Land Rover. And I was saying goodbye to my little girl who was going to school in Malaysia. It's what the missionaries did in those days. So the biggest hug in the world, and then she's down, heading out to the tarmac, sort of taking the lead and waving as she goes, then up the steps of the Cathay Pacific 707, and then this incredible rumble and this massive thing going up the, going up the runway and then swallowed up by a cloud. I'm sure that cloud was deliberately there. And I just ached. I'd lost my little girl. This is the way David is feeling here, spiritually speaking. Choked up with anxiety. You know, it's the kind of thing that we go through when things go horribly wrong and particularly at 3 o'clock in the morning when everything is exaggerated. We know what it's like. And he should be humbly casting all those things on the Lord, shouldn't he? But he's not there yet. He's got a lot of thinking to do. Now, as he thinks, I guess the typical questions would have been something like this. Does God really know all about this? And does he care? You know, he's been a little bit like Peter that this is at this time because... Peter's in the boat and there was this incredible storm and Jesus was asleep up the back. So he goes up there and sort of shakes him by the shoulder and says, hey, we're drowning. We thought you might like to know. Don't you care? David's a bit like this. But he focuses his mind on the things that he knows. And there's three things that pop into his mind in verses 2 and 3. Rock, refuge, strong tower. Now, as a Jewish laddie who knows the Bible, rock, immediately he thinks of that situation in the desert. You know, the people come to, the people come to Moses and they say, we'd rather be back in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here so that we can die? Look at the cattle over there. They can't even stand up. And Moses was on his knees. What do I do? And the Lord said, strike the rock. And the problem was solved. You know the story. My rock. My refuge. You know, where you go for a break. Laurel and I used to love it when our, our, our little girl of four, not Kathy, but Andrea, uh, when, the, when there was a, a decent storm on. Because the moment there was a crack of lightning, Andrea would just focus on a parent and go, <laughs> her refuge. And Laurel used to hope that she was closest to Andrea and I used to hope that I was closest to Andrea because we loved her coming to us for refuge. 
safe. My rock, my refuge, my strong tower. And David thinks of Jerusalem, the impenetrable walls, and there on the walls, the tower. And the watchman could look out and he could see everything, full knowledge of what was going on to communicate to the ground. My rock, my refuge, my strong tower. So David might be saying, God used to be on my side. I'm trying to think it through now in the midst of these problems because, frankly, I haven't been feeling that way. See, he's not there yet. But he's thinking it through. And so recognising the loss, as he thinks it through, it stirs a strong desire, the kind of strong desire that Joyce sometimes plays to us as we sing, where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing dew of Jesus and his word? And you can feel William Cooper beginning to stir these strong desires to be back there. Now, remember, David's a poet. He's a songwriter. He's a composer. And so he grabs a pen, well, quill. And in verse 2, he says, lead me to that rock, that rock that is higher than I. I can imagine him looking up and seeing it there as strong as and saying for himself, I to the hills will lift my eyes. Where does my help come from? Lead me to the rock. And then as he looks to the rock, he sees the eagle and think of, thinks of the eaglets and thinks of the song of Moses. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Picture after picture. He's a composer. And another one. Verse 4. I long to dwell in your tent, your tabernacle, your temple forever. And what do we think of when we think there with David? We think of tent, glory filling the temple, the holiness of God where sin looks exceedingly sinful. And the mercy street, mercy seat, where forgiveness is always available. At home and hospitality, the tent, the oasis, the feast, the feasting, the friendship. God present. And he's a Middle Easterner. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> One of my jobs is advisor to a Middle Eastern session down in Sydney. And I was down there a few weeks ago for a session meeting and they decided because it was a cold night to forget about the church and to go to one of the homes in Pennant Hills. So we landed in this home and uh, walked into the vestibule, which was bigger than this church and a big staircase up to the domestic. And then after greetings and that kind of thing, we walked into the meeting room, which is about half the size of this with plush leather and all that kind of stuff. And in the centre of the room, there was a, a, a table that was probably a metre across that was loaded with nuts and dates and olives and sweets that were wrapped and those that were unwrapped and char-grilled meat pieces and Egyptian dips and savoury wraps and dumplings and plenty of talk. 
<laughs> Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern. I know how to do it. And when we jumped in the car to come home, I said to Laurel, I'm not sure we made any decisions tonight. I had to literally read the minutes a couple of days later to find out whether or not we'd made any decisions. Middle Eastern. And it's all of this with God present that David is craving the loss, the thinking, the desires. You know, if David had been sitting where we are sitting today, trying to think this through, he wouldn't just be stuck in the Old Testament. He'd be right into the new covenant in the blood of the Lamb. He'd be thinking the last supper rather than the tent feed. He would be thinking to himself with the Apostle Paul, and that rock was Christ. He'd be thinking to himself, you know, it was Jesus' glory that Isaiah saw in the temple that day. And I think by the end of his meditation, he's beginning to see beyond himself. May the king be enthroned in God's presence forever. Then I'll sing his praises. Prophetic. And don't you get the impression that where David is now in the song, somehow the anxiety has been eclipsed by the humble surrender and the casting of anxieties on him because to him David matters. So why is it hard for us to hand over? Why is humility hard? Why is humble casting difficult? Well, keep that question in mind because there's something we need to know. The Lord Jesus doesn't say, don't worry, be happy. The Lord Jesus doesn't say, just ignore it, it'll go away. And the Lord Jesus doesn't say with the soapies, everything's going to be all right. So back to the question, why is it hard? Well, maybe the first answer is there's too much of the Gen Z mantra in us. That is, do your own thing, you be you. Or maybe that enemy with, with whom we have to live all the time, personal pride, I'll take care of me. I'm master of my own destiny. Or it may be that we are so brilliantly cared for and catered for in our society with our health supports and insurances and pensions and financial advisor and investment portfolio and law enforcement that we trust them more than the one to whom we and our anxieties matter. That's our problem. And sometimes we act as if God really doesn't know what he's doing, but we do. Now, I think we've watched David sink to his knees. 
And he sinks to his knees because he's thought it through. He's focused on realities. He's focused on the wonder and the grace of his God. And this is precisely what Jesus is telling us to do. That's the reason why in the Matthew reading, do we have a Matthew reading? Do we have a Matthew reading here? Oh, it's all about the sparrows and the lilies and all that stuff. Remember? Remember? I'm supposed to have that. Doesn't matter. Perhaps I didn't tell you. Okay. I'll tell you what it says. Jesus says, look. Look at the birds. They're okay? Look at the lilies. Can you beat them? If your grandchild says, give me bread, are you going to give her a stone? <laughs> Doesn't my father care? And then the sparrows, not worth much, bit of a pain. Even them, that's my father. That's my father. And then I think Jesus would have had a winsome grin on his face when he said, you know, you're worth more than many sparrows. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Somebody suggested, young people, that when you do your CV, when you want a new job or something like that, you sort of say, uh, high school, I got credits and high distinctions. University, I did pretty well. <clears throat> Then I did, went to here and went to there and did postgraduate studies and so on. I've been working for et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's a little block. Is there anything else we need to know about you? And somebody suggested, yes, in that block, right, I am worth more than many sparrows. That should start a decent conversation. <laughs> Think it through, says the Lord Jesus. It's to do with... Adopting an attitude of trust, knowing that all those anxieties, in the midst of a God-given humility, we can say over to you. Humbly casting anxieties on him because the order of the original language is because to him it matters concerning you. Well, I'm just about there. Just give me a moment. Roger Bilton was on the bridge with his team and yesterday they arrived in the Pacific Explorer, that great passenger ship, outside the Sydney Heads. Now, they did very well coming across the Pacific. That's what they're trained to do. But they couldn't navigate that baby through Sydney Harbour. If they tried, they probably wouldn't know where to turn from the manly direction down to the bridge. And they'd probably bump into Garden Island on the way through and they'd probably take out Fort Denison because they don't know how to do it. Okay, out there, but not in Sydney Harbour. So we watched that small ship boat, if you like, green and yellow, 
heading out through the heads. And somebody from that boat climbs up the ladder and he takes charge. We call him the pilot. And he can take control of getting that baby right up to the international terminal. Safe as. For the others, it's all too big, it's too complicated, it's too cumbersome. And they don't have the knowledge. It's like our issues of life. Too big, too complicated, too cumbersome, too many. Do you want a pilot? Signal then to Jesus. Do you want a pilot? Bid him come aboard and he will safely guide across the ocean wide until at last you reach the heavenly harbour. Do you want a pilot? Signal then to Jesus. You want a pilot, bid him come aboard and he will safely guide across the ocean wide until at last you reach the heavenly harbour. Kids song? Yep. But we're all children in this life of faith, aren't we? As we face the anxieties. Humbly casting anxieties on him because to him you matter. Let's pray for a moment. Our gracious and compassionate God, we confess our personal pride. We confess our unwillingness to trust. We stand shoulder to shoulder with the disciples who said, increase our faith. Because we want to love you. We want to love you with all our heart and mind and strength and soul. That's our desire. So help us in the humility of confession and the leaning on the everlasting arms. Primarily for the sake of your glory, but for our good. Through Jesus, only Saviour, and wonderful Lord.
ね